detailed, you know, not detailed guys need to know what they're doing. Um, you know, we need to study more. I don't, I don't think we study enough as a group. Um, there's way too many, you know, penalties and, and stuff like that, which, you know, we can control. It's all mental. Um, so for that to happen, there's really no excuse for that. So, you know, we have to figure that out and, and get it right. Not the change, right? I mean, it's insane to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect something different. And that we've been having these problems all year. So that's that has to get changed. That has to get fixed. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition here of the Metal Steel Podcast. Uh, and we're going to kick things off here in just a moment, but join me right now. I got a very special guest. He's uh, been on the show before, uh, earlier this year. Uh, quite frankly, shortly after the Mitch Trubisky uh, signing happened this past uh, March when I last had him on. I'm talking about none other than Ray Filippato. He is a beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, you can follow him on uh, Twitter at RayFit one uh rafe thanks for taking the time uh to get into this early thoughts on the trade deadline uh moves right now and to start off the first question is this a clear rebuild uh so far definitively while the draft capital they got especially with the extra second round pick from the bears yesterday for chase playpool i mean i I think it's certainly trending in that direction the steelers uh, are not giving up on the season you know despite the moves they made yesterday, quite honestly, you know, I, I was at practice today talking to coaches and players, and they feel very comfortable about moving forward with um, Steven Sims and Gunnar Olszewski and Miles Boykin um, um, at the receiver position. You know, a combination of those guys are going to become the number three receiver. And you have to remember what Pat Fryermuth can do from the tight end position. He could also serve as a slot, which is where Chase Claypool got – um, you know, most of his touches and most of his catches. So when you look at it from that perspective, they don't view it as a rebuild, but when you can get that type of value for a guy like Chase Claypool, you know, what's trending to be an early second round pick somewhere in the high thirties to low forties. I don't know how you turn your back on that if you're Omar Khan. So, um, you know, I, I think this is a big thumbs up for the Steelers front office. I, you know, I think, um, you're not going to call it a rebuild, but anytime you can get draft capital to sort of restock your roster around a young quarterback, I think it's a good thing. So with that being said, and a lot of people are going to look at this team right now. Of course, a lot of this was established by Kevin Colbert uh, this past year, uh, the free agency through the draft. And Omar Kyle, up to this point, has re-signed a few guys, uh, more particularly like uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, most notably. And, I mean, you get this high – of like second round value, I for him to drive up. Andrew Philip Pony uh, was very impressed. Nine three seven, the fan. He really feels like he did a great job. Unlike what Kevin Colbert would do in this situation, drive, driving up the bargain value for a guy like Chase Claypool, a high second round pick for a guy that was drafted second round over two and a half years ago. So, with that being said, how would you grade Omar Khan's decision-making right now, even though next year will probably more than likely be the true test with his draft reflecting this team and free HC scale one to 10, where are you starting it off right now? Early impressions with him and Andy Weinel. I mean, listen, man, Omar just got hired in May. He hired Sheldon White and Andy uh, Weidel to, to run the personnel department. And, uh, you know, they're obviously going to have their fingerprints on this roster after the season ends. Um, 
you know, you see a couple of guys trickling on some guys with Eagles ties, maybe a guy or two with Lions ties where Sheldon White was. Um, but you're starting to see, you know, Andy is starting to get his types of players in here on the ground level, you know, practice squad to set the culture and to get the types of guys that, you know, he wants to build around. But obviously until this season ends, until they can cut some guys, until some contracts expire, you're not really going to see the true effect of, of a guy like Omar Khan or Andy Weidel. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to prepare for free agency. As soon as the season ends, they'll prepare for the draft. And then, you know, we'll start to see, um, the quote-unquote rebuild begin after that. So, you know, you see the beginning stages of it right now. If you want to put a number on it, you know, I give all those guys an eight or a nine. You know, I think they're doing what they got to do right now to prepare for the most important part of this rebuilding, which is going to come once the season ends. And, of course, with Mike Tomlin right now, I mean, set the record for 15 consecutive non-losing seasons to start off as any NFL head coach in the history of this league, and very deservedly so. I don't feel like we should be throwing any shade on that. But at the same time, too, he has been getting with a heap of criticism as of late. Failure to hire uh, inept, highly smart, uh, tenured uh, coaches, more particularly on the offense. This has been like a five-year trend now. They moved out for Todd Haley, even during – Ben Rosper's playing career, and even after the Eagles lost in the week before that, more particularly after the Eagles, uh, he was asked if uh, they're going to make any changes, like shake things up on the coaching staff. Earlier, he was quoted saying, I'm open to doing anything that makes us better. At the new media press conference earlier today, at about 1 Eastern, uh, a solid note changes to coordinator or coaching staff. We know Mike Tomlin for a lot of years. Uh, he likes to be blunt and uh, highly guards and tries to protect his team. But what do you think is going on here? Is there everybody being an internal pressure from within, sticking to his guns? What do you think of that right now where it's looking like a negative reflection? I mean, as far as like slowly, as you said, it's not a rebuild. Well, it's going to a place they haven't been to in a long time before they got Bev Rosberg. Your thoughts as far as, like, sticking to the coaches' uh, staff right now? Listen, um, you know, the, the fans want change. You know, they're, they they don't like Matt Canada. They don't think he's produced. I mean, listen, look at the numbers. He, he hasn't. But um, you're eight games into the season. You got nine games to go. And you got to look at the pros and cons of making a change. Um would there possibly be some benefits? Sure. You know, you might get a better uh, play caller if you if you switch to a guy like Mike Sullivan. Um, you know, you might, uh, you know, perk some, some of the guys up in the locker room um, who are frustrated with their roles now or frustrated with the direction of the offense. On the other hand, you have to think about, okay, I'm going to make a change, but we still have to say, run the same offense. You know, Mike Sullivan, if they name him a coordinator – uh, you know, he wouldn't be able to install his offense. He would merely be, um, you know, rearranging the chairs and, and calling the plays that uh, Matt Canada drew up. So in, in that realm, you sort of look at it and say, well, you know, what's, why would we do that? You know, so there would be pros and cons to it. You know, Mike Tomlin said earlier today, as you noted, that he's not going to make that change, um, at least not during the bye week. So, uh, you know, we'll go from there. But uh, listen, I, I just think fans have to come to the realization they got to ride it out. Um, they're going to probably continue to struggle on offense. 
you might see some baby steps, you might see some progress, but you know, I don't think you're going to see uh, a much better offense until they get some new personnel in here. And, uh, you know, they probably make that coaching change uh, once the season does end. And real quick, I just want to apologize if you heard any audio cut in uh, briefly while you're talking about that. My apologies. Okay. Well, what's going on point, though, too? A very uh, former uh, Hall of Fame coach, more recently, uh, ironically, the same number of years that Tomlin has had non-losing seasons, his predecessor, uh, Bill Cowers, you could always uh, – see him on CBS uh, Sports, the NFL Today show right there. Following the game, uh, here was his uh, harsh criticism and concern for guy. Hey, Pickett, I'd like to hear your reaction to this. Uh, let's first play this clip real quick. You're transitioning into a new quarterback, okay? And right now, I get worried about his confidence because I've seen this happen to other quarterbacks right now. Take the ball out of his hands. Don't ask him to do as much as you're asking him to do. I know we have these receivers and everything else. It's not about the receivers. Oh. It's about a philosophy on offense that says, listen, what's the best part of your team? It's going to be your defensive side, but that gets worn down after a period of time. There's no margin of error there. You have to somehow shorten the game no doubt. with this quarterback, and it goes back to running the ball. I put him back under center. Don't subject him to being back there and getting sacked six times today. And this is a good defense. I get it. You're right. The Saints are no – that's a good defense, too. Yes. They're going to find this weekend and week out. So, I, I just I, – I, again, the Saints from the beginning, you're, you're two and six. Understand it's a period of transition. Yeah. What's in the best interest to develop this quarterback, who's your quarterback of the future, yeah. without destroying his confidence? And there you have it, Ray. What do you think? Do you think he's got a bail point uh, where you could potentially uh, ruin uh, – his growth with his confidence going forward in a situation like that. Do you necessarily agree they have to go back to running the ball a little bit more or what's your reaction from hearing that? I mean, listen, schematically, he's correct. Um, the ideal situation for any rookie quarterback is you surround him with a good offensive line and a good running game. And you limit the number of times that he has to drop back and uh, make plays as a passer. They don't have that. I mean, that's, I'd like to tell you they do, but they just don't have that. So um, the Steelers got to try to, you know, manufacture ways, um, you know, to, to win on first down and to win on second down so they can make Kenny's job easier. I will tell you this, um, you know, about the, uh, you know, the speculation that his confidence is, is going to be destroyed um, or anything along those lines. That was a topic uh, uh, in the last few days at the facility during practice, quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan uh, is not concerned about that at all. He feels like Kenny Pickett has great makeup. Uh, feels like he's got the uh, you know the goods to sort of survive. You know what's happening this season. So you know maybe with another quarterback who's a little bit more fragile, um, you know doesn't maybe have the mental part of his game together, it would be an issue. But they don't feel that way with Kenny Pickett. Once again, we're being joined uh, by uh, Ray Fittipaldi. This will be my last question before I get you out of here. Thanks again for uh, filling in the time uh, for us here, especially myself. Uh, on the William uh, Jackson's third acquisition right here, uh, a pick that obviously the Steelers uh, kept in contact with and kept their eye on for a long while right now. Felt like they needed a little bit of help in the secondary. And, of course, according to the deal right there, the Steelers swashed, uh, I mean, swapped uh, positions uh, with the uh, Washington Commanders right there. And uh, I believe it was for like a fifth and a seventh where they swapped out for this guy for 2025, or six for something, excuse me. 
Were you surprised at the trade deadline if he can miss out as far as getting like any significant help on the run defense? I know we've been starting the job right now, low by low under Brian Flores. They started off the season going into the season, then last as high up to like uh, 18th as I remember a couple weeks ago. Do you think they missed out as far as like interior defensive line or linebacker as opposed to secondary? Do you think that was the wisest choice right here? Well, I mean, listen, if you look at the last couple of games, and especially this Philadelphia game, um, they need help in the secondary. You know, they dropped four interceptions against Miami. They lose by six points. You know, you 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 catch one of those, you're probably going to win. You catch two of those, I think you're definitely going to win that game. And then when you look at the coverage in Philadelphia, uh, you know, against A.J. Brown, Micah Fitzpatrick had a bad day. Akella Witherspoon uh, had a bad day. He was benched. And really – you know, that, that's the simple reason why they brought in William Jackson. William Jackson, eventually, I can't tell you it's going to happen against the Saints, but soon he's going to be the starter opposite Camp Sutton, and they're going to see what they have on him. And they're going to see, okay, do we want to keep William Jackson for 2023, or do we really have to address this in free agency and the draft? My guess right now is they have to invest heavily um, in cornerback, in both free agency and the draft, offensive line and defensive line. Those are the three big needs that I see that this team has to address once they get into the offseason. So, um, you know, lots of work ahead for Omar Khan, Andy Wido in that front office. Um, but uh, just based off the big plays that they've been giving up here in the last month or so, I think it probably made the most sense to go out and get a corner. No question about it. I would also think maybe a receiver or some uh, better tackle or guard coming up in this year's draft. Trying to take its uh, uh, confidence going forward. But, Ray, I just want to thank you once again for uh, squeezing the time real quick. I'm going to go ahead and close out right here in just a few moments. But uh, any closing thoughts real quickly before I let you out here? Uh, Terry Bradshaw coming out public in uh, uh, an interview, can't for almost a year. Uh, Real quick closing thoughts before we go. Yeah, I mean, listen, all those Steelers, Steelers of the 70s are, are getting up there. I'm, you know, glad that uh, Terry is, is doing better and he's going to be able to continue, uh, you know, doing his TV duties. Um, so, yeah, that's, that, that's great news for Terry. And uh, hopefully all those guys from the 70s, um, you know, can be there, uh, what, another five or six weeks for the big celebration with Franco. Exactly. Uh, before that game against the Raiders on Christmas Eve. Well, Ray, great stuff again. Uh, best of luck to the rest of the way uh, to you and your family and uh, keep up the great contributions. Love uh, following and hearing you, uh, especially at 937 The Fan. I'll uh, hear you popping up quite frankly. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, that is Ray Phil Paul. You can follow him on Twitter at RayFit1. Uh, once again, uh, best wishes and and best regards and stay healthy and, and safe, man. And good luck the rest of the way for this season. Thank you so much, Ray. You got it, Charles. Anytime. You too. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap this thing up right now. Uh, some interesting stuff right here. Uh, Ray Philippal, you just heard him of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, Mike Tomlin, uh, not really too surprised right now. Not making any changes to his coach staff during the off week. Uh, and right here, yeah, uh, Mitch Trubisky, too, uh, who spent a little bit of frustration. We've kind of seen this with his time with the Chicago Bears, too. And not really surprised he spoke out of this. Uh, he's basically saying, as regards to the situation with the Steelers, you're seeing the same thing while I was in 
Same thing when I was in there. Trubisky said the offense, other K, Pickett. We got back to the fall medals, eliminating penalties. Everyone being on the same page. 11 guys playing as one, find ways to score and get some points. Uh, furthermore, on 93.7, the fan, uh, much like the current starting quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, he didn't filter his thoughts when asked about the current state of the Steelers on Tuesday. And uh, basically that was a quote he was saying, but he also did add that we're moving the ball a little bit. We got to be better in the red zone, better on third down. I mean, which has been the key thing uh, that don't make that. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you my thoughts real quickly. I thought Chase Claypool, a win-win for both sides, more so uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Chicago Bears, apparently in this situation right here. I mean, the Steelers, I mean, who would have thought I mean, for a guy like Chase Claypool, his services, I mean, obviously, he was not being utilized properly this year on the offense. There was a lot of players kind of like lashing out. Eric got some frustration. Uh, you heard that in multiple games, even after the Browns, the Dolphins game a couple weeks ago, saying that they need more go balls, splash plays, uh, basically. Uh, we're over a week ago, I should say. Excuse me. But anyway, we look at his time here with the Steelers. I mean, his highest was 873 receiving yards uh, so far. And like I said, the only closest he's been was 860 yards the following year. Of course, he's member for the incident uh, on the field versus the Minnesota Vikings on Thursday night uh, football where the Steelers are trying to make an insane uh, comeback in that Vikings game, uh, which was on uh, Fox at that time. Uh, the Steelers in that game, they were down as many as uh, 29 the zip. And the Steelers were able to, uh, in that game, outscore the Vikings 28-7. Uh, to seven. Still came up short. Uh, was a strike away from seeing a touchdown then just playing a two-point conversion to tie that game. But remember, during the aftermath, you remember, Chase Claypool, who caught I believe it was the first down uh, pass. Went to go like show off with the ball real quickly instead of hurrying up, trying to spike the ball and uh, kill more time off the clock right there. It was a 38-yard uh, completion, I believe it was. And uh, basically ended up uh, losing the game right there. Point to 36. Still made the playoffs that year, but Listen, I, I'm not sure if I really disagree with uh, Josh Roundtree or not, where he was uh, saying that this trade really had nothing to do with how he was acting with uh, his teammates or in the locker room or just coming off like a negative. Uh, basically, I just felt like right now, for a guy like Chase Claypool, his stature right here, I mean, he has definitely not held up his end of the bargain uh, that well. But... When you look at it, I mean, it's just uh, embarrassingly – I mean, it, it really it's like a, kind of puzzling right here. I mean, Tom on the Claypool trade said with the Chase deal, it was about draft capital and value for us. Chicago Bears second-round pick is a pick that we value and excited about what that brings us. Says they're comfortable with death of inside pass catchers. More particularly, George Pickens trying to groom him into that role. Seems like they're going to move – uh, Deontay uh, Johnson back uh, within the receiving lineup. But uh, it's uh, really uh, puzzling right here, I mean, to say the least, uh, on this going into this day. And the Steelers, for the most part, 
uh, Josh Pouchy was saying the report the Steelers got rid of Chase Claypool to focus more on the offense of pickets makes little sense. They have different skill sets are used in different positions and situations. Uh, they he also further says this is a move for the future, but this work, not a shot at fixing current issues. I beg to differ. I mean, listen, I mean, you saw the pictures online on Twitter right here. I mean, Chase Claypool bonding with his teammates. But at the same time, too, when you're not, I mean, performing up to your level, and more importantly, the way Matt Cannon has not been utilizing everyone properly, getting more involvement, I mean, with the targets on this team, this offense, trying to get an identity, like Bill Cowher said, it is very uh, surprising. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, just think about this for a second. I mean, receiving touchdowns, Najee Harris has the most with two. Now receiver, as a running back, he's got two. Even though he's been struggling at running the ball, uh, many people feel like Jalen Ward should be getting the ball a little bit more than Najee Harris, possibly arguably being if we look at it. But for the most part, uh, listen, I mean, Chase Claypool at that time was tied with uh, George Pickens as the only other receiver with one touchdown this year. And you look at the amount of uh, targets right here that has been going on. Deontay Johnson still has most with 76. Deontay, I mean, Chase Claypool is second on there with 50. I mean, so there you go right there. I mean, it just shows you lack of utilization and creativity right there. And it's just mind-boggling who Mike Tomlin could find a way to stick with him uh, for the most part. And I just got to say that. But in regards to William Jackson the third. Uh, I think it was definitely a good solid pick right there. I definitely do agree with uh, Ray Filippalvo in the sense where the Steelers, they did need more help at secondary as of late. They were dropping a few uh, interceptions, more particularly in that uh, Dolphins game. I mean, uh, Michael Fitzpatrick leads away with three as a free safety and Cam Sutton with two. And, of course, Kill Witherspoon and Levi Wallace. I mean, both guys who been doing solid, but not significantly enough. Uh, but here we are. I felt like the Steelers should have had a little bit more help on stopping the run more. I don't think the secondary, I don't think, is really that much of an issue. Of course, you had to drop an exception that was vital against the Dolphins on Sunday night football. But here we are. And I just got to say, real quickly, looking back at it too, Ben Rossberger, uh, when he's like looking back at this comment right here, I mean, back in July, as far as what everything. Uh, going on, like I was just more me first. Uh, players, he says, I feel like the game has changed. I feel like the people have changed in a sense. Maybe it's because I got spoiled when I came in. The team was so important, it was all about the team. Now it's about me th and this, that, and the other. Do you feel Ben Rosberg was just with these comments? Unfortunately, I think there's a little bit of truth to that right now. You see players lashing out a little bit more, and this is just frustrating to watch a team right here, who's was like low by low breaking down I mean, at crucial moments right now. I mean, Grant, I mean, this be Mike Tomlin's biggest challenge to date right now to like still stay competitive, though. They insist they're not waving the white flag for this season, but when you start compiling up uh, draft picks, I mean, uh, for the most uh, part, they got seven total uh, draft picks going into 2023. They got four in the top 100. Uh, currently, they're supposed to be uh, projected at number four overall in the first round, 35th and 43rd in the second round, and 69th in the third round, which is pretty significant right here. I mean, when you look at 
where this team has been uh, pretty high up there, especially that third-round pick right there, too. So, again, I mean, you're, you're being projected to be, like, about, like, the fifth pick in that uh, third round. Pretty awesome right now. I mean, I, I doubt they're going to try to use that capital finagle, trying to move up. But we'll see. But more regards to the Jackson deal, like I said, there's, the Steelers are swapping a six or a seventh round pick in 2025 with the commanders, according to uh, Ian Rapport. Uh, as Andrew Philip Pony was saying of 937, the fan, I love what the Claypool trade represents that the Steelers are obsessed with winning now, that there is a bigger picture down 2022. They're not short side. I think this came from the front office. Good to see there are checks and balances in the Steelers' power structure. So, like I said, a uh, pretty huge uh, signing right here. Uh, he signed a three-year, forty-and-a-half uh, million-dollar contract in 2021 with the Commanders. Reporter wasn't able to get on the field and ask for a trade. He was selected overall in the 2016 The spot right before the Steelers at 25th. Uh, so they snatched him up before the Steelers were able to come grab him, uh, which was back here in Chicago. Uh, Jackson, he comes on board with five interceptions in a six-year span, along with 51 pass deflections. Carroll also did say it's feasible that new corner William Jackson will start against the Saints. He said it depend on how he picks up things and practice and comfort level by the coaches. Practice today, Steelers have four days off and won't practice again until Monday. And uh, there you have it right there. And uh, and also, too, as far as, like, the contract as well, he has a base salary of $5 million this season, $9.2 million next season, and the final year's deal – Basically, and then also, too, which is uh, really uh, nice about this deal, too, even with William Jackson, who comes on board, his uh, salary for the 2023 year is not guaranteed. Uh, his cap hit is going to be about over 12 and three quarter million dollars right there. So that's the way they could get out of this right here, uh, basically. I'd like to hear your thoughts real quickly. I just want to pay a special. Uh, and condolences to Terry Bradshaw uh, back on the September 25th show I believe it was on NFL on Fox uh, he was uh, doing like a little like a football throw a catch uh, with Jimmy Johnson and his compadres uh, right there and you can see him uh, having a shortness of breath and basically he was uh, being interviewed on NBC News at 74 he stayed he's cancer free and basically, the reason why he delayed speaking out about it, he was quoting saying, I didn't talk about it because I didn't want any. Told MC News correspondent Harry Smith. I didn't talk about it because a lot of celebrities, unfortunately, I'm one of those with, they say this, I think the perception around America with all the millions of people is, oh, look at him, bless his heart, he has cancer. Well, my husband died of cancer. My kids are, I didn't want that. It took me a long time before I told my family. And uh, Harry, just why I know sometimes it can be, uh, very entertaining goofballs, but at the same time, very legend in this game. What you did for the Steelers and the NFL. I just wanted to say on a personal note, thank you for all the generous time you have given us as fans to like uh, watch you grow post football career. You're truly the perfect example how to do stuff more than just the game of sports. Really work on your life's work, as Chuck Noll would say. And I just want to keep you in prayers. Uh, continue to stay healthy and safe. Healthy and safe, my man. 
And that's going to do it for this edition here of the Metal Steel Podcast. Once again, you guys can follow me on social media, on Twitter, at Metal Steel CGR, and on Instagram, at Metal Steel Nation. I want to thank, once again, Ray for the power for joining us here on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And we'll continue to keep up more here on the Metal Steel Podcast. As always, leave you. Don't be trolling. Be rolling. Here we go, serious. Here we go. I got it.